0: Welcome to this episode of Tetlink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool, for all things tax, trust, pensions, and much, much more. Today, we are doing something slightly different. Across the profession, there are many people going beyond diploma and even beyond chartered. Several universities have master's qualifications, and students have undertaken significant research. Our interview today explores the research, its findings, but also the journey. I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Bradford, who completed her dissertation in 2021. Hello, Sam. Thank you for joining us today. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Eddie. I'm very well. I've just come back and got my new glasses from the optician, so I'm I'm feeling particularly bright and breezy with my new specs.
0: They look certainly dashing. Uh, only I and you can see your new glasses, but I can promise the listeners that they're, that they're a fantastic pair of glasses.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: so, um, thank you for sharing your research in advance. Um, so, I notice it's focused on uh, retirement decisions within financial services companies. So, um, I, I'm really curious how did you decide on that subject and, 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 and the research that you did?
1: Well, when I started looking at all the different topics, I mean it's quite vast. There's so much that you could go into and research about. But I think like a lot of financial planners, we focus a lot on those major transitions in life and one of them being retirement transitions. So, obviously taking people financially from the workplace to retirement and helping them understand the money that they've got. And I'm even more interested in understanding what lies behind those decisions from um, an emotional point of view. And that was where it started. So I knew I wanted to do a research and study on retirement transition. And I knew I wanted to add in emotional factors and not just economic factors. And then it was, well, how do you do it? It was a bit of a monster. How do you narrow it down so that it makes sense? You could fit it into the allowed number of words that's a challenge when you start going into it and that's where the narrowed down focus came to financial services companies when I started it I was going to interview a whole cross-section of people and um, between me and the tutor that I was allocated it was decided that if we narrow it down to a field of study that I'm used to so i I've been in the financial services industry since I was 19 years old so for me personally it's all I've ever known and also it was interesting to be able to actually ask people that I've worked with in the past so having access to people that I knew that would be Willing to give their time to being my study as well was really important, and having access to the financial services industry was easy then for me to get my uh, my research done through the the, the interviewer ease that I
0: approached to help me. So that's that's really interesting, and um, so having done that research, what would you say are the the key findings that you discovered?
1: Well, without realizing it. Going into the, the specific area of financial services companies and people who have worked in it, we have, I guess, this thinking that we might expect people who work in financial services to have a good handle on what their retirement looks like and economically what they're likely to get in retirement as an income. And what I found was couldn't be further from the truth, that actually they were as I don't want to say clueless but they were as in the dark about what they could get from their retirement plans as people who hadn't been working in the industry as well so it I looked at it from a different cross section of of like demographics so I had an equal number of men, an equal number of women. I tried to look at people who some were coming up to retirement, some were in retirement, um, so that I could really try to understand it. But of course, it's still limited to the number of people you can speak to. And, uh, and really to get more findings, I'd like to, I would have liked to have gone out to more people, but that would have meant uh, more words and, <laughs> and more time, which we didn't have, sadly.
0: And and um, so my understanding of how this works is that you you completed a, a, what is known as a literature review to look at theories and wider research. So so that gave you the grounding. What what did you learn from from that in in relation to retirement and decision making?
1: when you start going into the research and the literature review it's fascinating how many many academics have been looking at the actual study of retirement factors and they go back years um, you know one of the first guy um, goes back to the 1980s that they've been studying retirement transitions and it's fascinating how you see the evolution and as different academics have gone in and carried on the research it's it's resulted in theories and models. So I narrowed it down to four key areas that I could look into. So the first one would be the typical financial and economic factors that would allow someone to feel comfortable that they can step into retirement and support the level of income that they need. Then I was interested in more behavioural and social Uh, factors, so role-related factors. So how are they in the workplace? What are the, the different factors and theories that impact them within the workplace that's going to make them think hmm maybe I don't want to be here now maybe there are younger people coming through and I'm feeling a bit of an older uh, spare part I can't keep up with technology and so there's lots of these other factors that would push people away from the, the career they're in and into retirement as well as psychological factors and finally family and personal factors as well so it's down to four key areas and each one of those um again have their own theories and models within them and. Um, and the research led to things that um, if we, we take each of the four economic factors, there is such a thing as economic theory. And that's in its simplest form is where um, if you're an older worker, and um, once you're at an ability to actually afford to retire, then you retire. Doesn't matter about any of the the psychological impact of wanting to feel like you have a purpose and a a role in life if you got the money you got the money off you go into the sunset and have your your world cruise or whatever you do in retirement um and then we start to look at role related factors we've then got things that come into play such as once somebody uh, there's role theory where someone's actually um met uh, a specific role that or they've, they've reached the 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 end of the role that they have and then they're ready to to actually go into retirement they've they've met their career goals and uh, and they're fulfilled so they're happy to go into retirement at that point um but then equally you could have disengagement theory as well where um we look at the the point where they actually start to withdraw from the workplace so this is quite an interesting fact that when people start to think about retirement. So um, in the research, when we actually started studying it with people, come away from the theory now, we're actually going in speaking with people. Once it was very clear findings that once people had engaged with a financial advisor, their retirement date came within roughly three to four years from that point And I think that I suspect a bit of that would have been disengagement theory coming in because they've suddenly seen the clarity and understanding that they could retire. They know the numbers, so they've got the economic side, but also the psychological sides coming in here because they start to realise that they could leave. And then there's a lot of pressure then internally, lots of things going on that would want them to, to actually start thinking about either moving out completely or phasing in retirement and that was another element actually when i first started this whole project i wanted to look at how many people phased in retirement over those who fully retire so um the the interesting factor within financial services however was that all of them fully retired from their specific role within financial services. Now, some of them had a period of one or two years where they were doing all the things they wanted to do and then realized that they had nothing to get up for. So they started volunteering or doing much lower paid roles but nothing to do with financial services. It was almost as if that was a line drawn. They did not want to go back there anymore and they wanted to go and do other things that they felt was more um, either meaningful to them or helpful to society as well. Um, Alongside the role-related factors, then there were um, also the social identity side, again, this comes back to come when you have employees coming in and a younger, able to take on more, technology is a classic example of that, <laughs> especially in, in in financial services, We've got lots of automation that's come in and perhaps somebody who's been in a 30, 40 year career in financial services started out being very service led and then suddenly all they're doing is directing people to machines rather than actually the people side of it. So they were starting to feel like a spare part and not able to fulfill the roles that they thought they were going into when they first started. Um, and then um so coming back to so that that has psychological impacts but if we look at the, the changing fi- the family dynamics because then we're starting to think about right what does the family dynamic look like are there older parents that need looking after now are there younger children is it second time round marriages all of the different uh, social side of um, of life that comes in that has an impact as to whether someone can actually retire now or not, or they're pushed into retirement because they just have so many other caregiving commitments to think about as well. And um, the classic um the the classic description of the sandwich generation where you have older an older parent or, or the, the generation above that need looking after as well is still the generation below that haven't yet cut the
0: apron strings so to speak and um, um and if you th- so, so you, you you did all having got your theories you did everything via uh, interviews if, I, if i'm right um so, so did those interviews go to plan and um did you did you then discover something in the interviews that that uh, you weren't expecting
1: Yes, I think that there was more. So to answer your question first. So the interviews on the whole went to plan. There was one interview I had to do um, over in Spain. She'd retired to Spain and um, it wasn't quite as easy. We couldn't do it on Zoom in the end for whatever reason. So it was a recorded one. But um, yes, on the whole, the way I operated it technically was that even if I was in person with somebody, I would take my laptop and I would record it on Zoom, so that I had the ability to actually listen back to it to to transcribe it. Um, that was always the the challenge of making sure you've captured everything in the interview itself. What did I find? I think after one or two interviews, what was really interesting was at the point they'd taken financial advice and um, what I started to then add in is other questions around um, when it was that they first started to understand the values of money. So we, uh, at the time I was doing it, I've taken myself off separate to my position sort of separate to my um, to my business and actually become a certified money coach and a relational financial planner. So I was always interested in the world of um, money and, and the mindset around money. And it was quite obvious that there was an awful lot of decisions that were made around how people showed up in their own world around money. And so I started adding questions in around how old they were when they first learned about money? You know, what was their understanding of pocket money? Did they budget? Um, Did the parents talk about money over the dinner table? Or was it a taboo subject? And I didn't know how it was going to go down. But I just felt I needed to ask these wider questions just to gauge that little bit more information. And what it ended up filtering through to was that um, absolutely clearly shown on the graphs inside the dissertation is the one person who had a very good education around money from an earlier age so school age he was able to save and retire before the standard 55 retirement age so his pensions have now become a savings vehicle inheritance actually for his family because he had such an ingrained and inbuilt um, blueprint about how to save money from an extremely early age, it just carried through his career and led to him being able to build up his wealth in a sufficient way. Um, Interestingly still... It was I mean, it was still a conversation with a colleague rather than a financial advisor that led him to realize he could retire. But he he knew that he was going to before the age of 50 and he was able to fulfill that, whereas everybody else um, were very much on that um, conveyor belt, I guess, of the corporate Setting where you get a, a good remuneration package, you know what your role is, you know what your income is, you know what percentage you're paying into a pension and what your employer are contributing. You don't really give thought to when you can retire and the excitement of what that might look like. Um, it was only one person who had that in his head and he was able to fulfill that. So I think the wider questions really helped because he was the only one, again, who'd had that grounding of education.
0: So we, we within the profession, we talk a lot about financial education in in schools. Um, so what what you I suppose what you've identified is is really the importance of of that education at, at an early age. Um, so what do you think we could do having done your research? What do you think we could do differently going forward in terms of uh, education or or do you think we were on the right lines?
1: No, yes, there's a lot we can do. Um we are on we are on the right lines, but there is more. So financial education into schools, absolutely. I think that it should be mandatory that everybody gives a certain amount of hours to their local schools, to their local community to give free financial education. Otherwise, people don't know where to go and get this information. Um I run a scout group so I have I actually look after the cubs we've just introduced a money skills in the scout association which is HSBC backed at the moment um and that's great so we're starting so the scout movement is starting to educate as a standard and of course it's rewarded with a badge so everybody loves a badge when you're that age and you've got a uniform to, to sew it onto. but I think it needs to go wider than that but I've been thinking about the fact that really we need to be educating whole families But it's still an emotive topic. People don't like opening this area of discussion because it carries so much emotion. If you go to the United States, they actually have money coaches, and people know about them and would be willing to put money in their pocket to get coached on their money. Uh, not skills as such but the mindset side of their money and it it would filter into everything in their life from their relationships to their businesses um, and how they would feel worthy about themselves so it's very personal as well but over here there's only a handful of people that are trying to get out there and uh, trailblaze in this area it's something that you talk to a You talk to a client. I mean, I try to ask them powerful questions, which are coaching questions. They don't know that necessarily. But sometimes they look at you blankly and go, why are you asking that? But it's so you get and get underneath the skin a little bit more about what's going on. The importance of it. You can tell I can talk all day about this, but the importance of it is so that when you start to get to the point where we're in now, where we're gonna have economic turmoil because of things going on out of our control, I've had two emails this morning from clients already asking me what's going on, what's happening to my investments. You see now, if you've given people education that to that level around the emotions and then the behavioral side, then that's, it's just another layer of of anxiety soothing, I call it, where people can stand back objectively and say, okay, yeah, I know I'm reacting to this because maybe during another um, crisis, like a, a war conflict crisis in the past, they might have seen their parents who have had um, money invested or tied up somewhere, and 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 had that fear passed on and anxiety passed on to them. So what I'm trying to get a long-winded answer uh, to is say that actually I think it starts in schools, but of course it's great. But if the children then go back to their family settings and their parents are not actually happy in that in 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 understanding the wider context context of um, of money, then. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's like it's like anything, you know. Where do you start? Chicken and egg. And I'd love to offer whole family group based uh, educational programs, but unfortunately, there's only a certain amount of hours in a day. Um, uh, yes. Oh, sorry, Eddie.
0: <laughs> I was I was going to say I'm 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 pretty certain you, you 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 know just listening to first of all the 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 enthusiasm and passion of of the subject, um, but but I'm sure you've now started to inspire people to to go on the same journey as you and 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 do a a masters and a, and a, perhaps a dissertation um so um al- always like to sort of give listeners some some hints and tips during these sessions so what what sort of three great ideas have you got for people thinking about doing a a masters going forward
1: so i think to um anybody wanting to do it, firstly, look long and hard at what you have going on in your life, Um, because whilst it might seem it's a year-long program, it's a 15,000-word dissertation, it's a completely different skill set to what you do day to day. And I don't think I appreciated that before I went into it. So if somebody had said to me that, uh, Sam you're going to have to give up your weekends to do this because it, although I had a structure initially of two hours in the morning eight to ten p uh, eight to ten am it was going to be two hours a day, Monday to Friday dedicated to dissertation work and then from 10 a m my normal financial planning work. no, I could not by the time by the time I got myself into academic world writing, it was probably halfway through that and I was just not doing it. So I had to really just shift that into a weekend role, which led to it being really intense. Um, definitely um, definitely spread it out because, uh, again, I, I wasted too much time thinking too much. And, and actually, if I'd had put pen to paper earlier I think I would have given myself <laughs> a lot less stress in the long run but that's hindsight you know is, is tells us these things but um, sometimes things get in the way having said that um, there are some amazing things out there to help support the research and um, I was lucky enough uh, my tutor was able to share a link so I the universities are great because they actually have packages they buy into of software to help you with all of the research so that you can sift through tens and tens of of different academic research journals and um, other dissertations and actually extract what you need and then have a software tool to hold it in. I'm not very techie, but I devoted a whole weekend to learning uh, a a software tool called NVivo. It, you may have, may or may not have heard of it, but it was one of the best decisions I made and really helped me succinctly bring everything together. So that's a tip. Learn some of the great software packages out there. Don't be afraid of it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. It's going to really help you see where the themes are coming out of your research. and just go and enjoy it. Go and study something that you really enjoy, which is what I've ended up doing. And it took me all of my willpower to stop me from signing up for the PhD. And it was purely a time thing, not anything else. It was just once I got through it and I really enjoyed what was coming out, I realized that actually this is needed by people like us who are in the field doing it and once I can eventually slow down and hand the reins over to my daughter who works in the practice maybe I will go ahead and do that but that's for the late that's for later on I think
0: <laughs> excellent excellent thank you so much for your uh, time today and sharing uh, your insights um really appreciate it and uh, it's been great to to catch up as always thank you so much
1: thank you for inviting me Eddie
0: thank you The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned because of such action or inaction.